Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to our Christian education. Thank you so much, all of you, for tuning in. We hope that these teachings and discussions have been challenging you, encouraging you, and helping to increase your faith. Last week, we had a great time, and so we're not going to waste any time jumping in this week into Lesson 12. And over to you, Pastor Riley. Oh, thank you, Gavin. Good evening, uh, fellow students of the Word. It's a wonderful day. I trust that your day has been well, that your mind is sharp, and you're ready to digest the Word of God. Amen. Uh, as uh, Gavin said, we are in Lesson 12 topic. is Peter's second chance. And we know how, you know, second chances at times are very important to many of us. Our scripture reading is from St. John chapter 21, and uh, we take a section from verse 1 to verse 19. And this, of course, is a continuation of life lessons from John by Max Lucado. Uh, let's open with prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you for another great day, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings, for your your protection, your shelter. We thank you, God, for your wisdom and your words that you have provided for us. As we study your words, God, open our minds and our hearts that our understanding will be clear, Lord, that your words will find room in us, that it might settle in us, O oh God, that we may learn to walk and learn how to serve you better. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we'll uh, turn to the scripture of uh, St. John chapter 21, uh, from verse 1 to 19 in your books. I want to read from the New King James Version this evening, and I will begin. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and uh, that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciple came in the little boat, for they were not, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there 
and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. What a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. uh, we, the situation sets up like this. According to uh, the book we are studying uh, in Max Lucado here, for at least one person, the joy of Jesus' resurrection was overshadowed by shame. Peter remembered his failure after boldly proclaimed, proclaiming that he would never forsake Jesus. He had to eat his word just hours later, when not once, but three times, he denied knowing Jesus. His resurrection suddenly gave him a new perspective. The question that must have lingered in Peter's mind was whether or not Jesus would give him a second chance. Eventually, Jesus drew Peter aside for a heart-to-heart -heart talk over breakfast. So we have a couple of questions for you. Hmm. In question one, why did Jesus choose to reveal himself to the disciples in this way? Correct me if I'm wrong, was this not how he met them in the beginning? He had met them a few, a few times. Like, I think, was it in Luke, in Luke's gospel, in the early chapters? Mm -hmm. uh, he, he met the disciples as they were fishing once again and told them to throw the net on the other side. They caught a whole bunch of fish. Right. So maybe this is, uh, it's something familiar, so it's going to help them associate the two. 
I don't know. It's it's uh, interesting that he chose a similar approach like when he first met them. Kind of a reminder, taking them back, uh, a kind of deja vu. Mm-hmm. We, back, we began this way or we have been this way before. You know, but because they too, you know, Peter and these disciples, they went back to the things that they used to do. That is so true. They went back to the same sea that they have fished for so many years. They went back to the trade that, uh, that they were, were doing when Jesus called them. Mm. So Jesus showed up on the shore while they were out, and I believe the similarity was that they caught nothing the first time, and this time they caught nothing either. True. You know, Jesus hid the fish from them. <laughs> he makes you wonder. <laughs> so that's very interesting. Do you think Jesus expected them to go back to what they knew? Do you think it was an accident? He, he found them here in the same place like, like they were three years ago? I don't know if it's so much expecting them to go back to what they once knew but I believe because he's Jesus he knows where to find them mm, that's true wherever we are amen and so even for us when he searches for us he knows exactly where to look isn't that reassuring that Jesus knows where to find us absolutely you know they went out all night come early morning he was on the shore with breakfast you know Typical of Jesus Christ, the master. Amen. You know, let us know your thoughts out there. You know, what do you think? What was Jesus' plan when he set it up that way? Mm -hmm. We look at question two. In what way did the disciples react when they realized it was Jesus? How did they react? When they realize it was Jesus. Uh, oblivious is the word that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe the unwritten part of it. Because no one, the scripture said, no one asked him, who are you? So maybe mm-hmm. a, little bit, a little bit of guilt, uh, a little bit of uh, toe stubbing in the ground. And, <laughs> you know, a little bit embarrassed that they were found back to the things that they had uh, left for the Lord. The things they have left behind to follow him. Mm-hmm. Now they are back to that. Right? So maybe a little bit of not feeling so good. Mm-hmm. They would have rather Jesus maybe found them praying and oh Lord, you know. Oh, okay. So maybe feigning like I don't know what's happening here. Right. It's not me he's looking for. That's right. Lord, you, you, you really caught us with a... <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we find ourselves like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, doing the wrong things. Caught Amen. red-handed. Caught red-handed. Amen. A, a little bit of reflection uh, from the, 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 the textbook. Betrayal 
disagreement, misunderstanding, and even exhaustion can fracture a relationship. Mm-hmm. First-hand experience in these painful situations often make us feel uh, that broken relationships are beyond repair. But God reminds us that what we conclude as impossible, he makes possible every day. Think of a time when you helped restore a broken relationship. The question I would ask, how were you able to help? I I myself have had some uh, experiences with that. And it might be good to share a little bit. Uh, First, we start out. You know what you're approaching. You make sure you talk to the master upstairs to provide the understanding and the the words of wisdom that you need to use. Don't go there without first talking to the master. And then you got to be prepared to listen. Mm-hmm. You got to listen uh, to the individuals. Listen what's on their heart. See if you can hear, you know, what they are really saying and what they are not saying. And then you start to approach it from there and look at the benefits of each, the need Mm -hmm. of each. Then you look at the common ground between them and you start to bring them to that common ground. Because oftentimes in anger, the focus is on myself. So each individual is focusing on themselves. But then when they start to focus on a a common thing that this person likes and the other one likes, Mm -hmm. they start to take the focus off themselves and now focus on that and the benefits start to be seen. And usually, usually repairing of the, the relationship start to happen. Just the beginning steps you know, in that state, but you got to be prepared to first listen, talk to God, uh, prepare to listen more than how we, we speak. And then when you do, don't bring yourself into it. Make sure the focus is on the, uh, the two couples and the relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, free COVID counseling right here at Edmonton <laughs> Impact. <laughs> that was very good. Amen. Amen. So how about question three? How did Jesus choose to restore his relationship with Peter? What? A restored relationship? That's fantastic. I would say, especially for younger people out there, Jesus texted first. (laughs) He made the first move. He made the first approach. Wasn't even his fault, but he still made the first move. That's amazing. Amen. Amen. So first move. Very important. First move. A lot of times for us, we we are trying to repair a relationship, but we are waiting on the other person to make the first move. Here's a little tidbit I want to share with you maybe you haven't thought of this 
I, I was thinking why so this is going back a little bit to when Peter denied Jesus and uh, I was thinking why Peter cried so bitterly hmm. I thought it was okay he was caught uh, after he, 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 he promised the Lord that he would never leave him then shortly after he denied him you know I thought that was it so he felt bad so he went out and he cried uh, when I was studying a little deeper it took me back to where Jesus had uh, used the word to his disciples that if anyone whoever denies me before men I will deny him before my father mm -hmm. right so I look at that and here is Peter it's like Jesus saying you have no part with me if you're not willing to stand up for me uh, to the world and here Peter found himself denied Christ three times yeah so now he's thinking Lord I really don't have any part with Jesus because he remembered Jesus's words that's likely yeah. he was talking directly to his disciples so he went out and he wept maybe that look that Jesus gave him was I remember what I said I remember what I said but there's still redemption for you because when Jesus resurrected he sought out Peter specially mm -hmm. Amen. you know so that's my little tidbit adding in here but Jesus chose to re restore his relationship with Peter by making the like Gavin said the first move yeah the first call for us older folks pick up the phone <laughs> <laughs> for the younger you know it might be a little a faster way you know you know send a text exactly amen amen so we look at question four then now in any repairing of relationships there's the initiator and there's got to be the one that is now receiving mm -hmm. that uh, whatever approach the, the, the person with the first move has made. So here's a question. How did Peter respond to Jesus's words and actions? It, to start with, like it said in verse seven, when the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord, Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment and plunged into the sea. So he like, he was very eager to head to Jesus, to, to see him, to interact with him. Mm -hmm. But then later, once they start having conversation, Peter is a little less eager mm -hmm. for some of the reasons you were just mentioning. Oh my goodness, I just denied him. And it's hour that he really needed me. I wasn't there. And, and now maybe he's feeling guilty. Maybe he's feeling uneasy. Mm -hmm. Well, when we look at Peter's, Peter's reaction, it is similar to us in a lot of times. What? Oh, the master is here? <laughs> I gotta be there, I gotta be there. So without thinking, just like walking on the, on, on the water, at mm -hmm. uh, uh, the time when the wind and the waves were blowing, and it said, Lord, if you be thou, if it be thou, bids me come to you on the water. 
Jesus said, come and what did Peter do? He just stepped down out of the ship. He's really good at that. Amen. <laughs> so you see, there's something drawing him where Jesus is. He always wants to be there. He could not wait for the boat to get to shore. Mm -hmm. I guess he was a better swimmer than the boat. I guess. Right? So he plunged over, <laughs> dove into the sea, swam to shore. And then once he got there, take a look at the Lord. He's probably start to feel, oh man, but I don't, I'm not entitled to be here anymore. Because mm -hmm. I had denied him. I don't deserve that's, to interact with him in this way. That's right. I just want to be in the among the crowd, you know, feel the warmth, but I really don't deserve to be here. The fact is, Peter moved when he knew it was Jesus. He made a step forward towards him, not away from him. And then something happened for Peter. You see, with the Lord, there's always surprises for you. Oh, yeah. When you put yourself where the Lord is. Uh, question five. Mm -hmm. Why do you think Jesus asked Peter three times whether he loved him? This is interesting. Okay, so like you were just saying, Peter right now is hyper-conscious mm -hmm. of his last moments uh, when Jesus saw him. He was hyper-conscious that he, he just denied him, even when Jesus told him he would, and he rebutted, rebutted saying, no, I would never. Mm -hmm. And so, and then Jesus died, but now he's here, and he can't believe it. Maybe I get a second chance. Mm -hmm. But I did this thing, and not only once, but like three times, I denied him. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was lost on Peter, even though he was frustrated. Mm -hmm. He denied him three times, but Jesus being so good gave him the chance to affirm him three times. Amen. Amen. I think that was very kind of Jesus, even though Peter may not have taken it that way to start. Because, you know, after the second time, it's like, you, you know I love you. Why do you keep asking me? But, you know, I think it's great that Jesus gave him three affirmations for the three denials. Mm. I found it amazing that Jesus has something that he used in comparison. I believe the lesson I'm getting from this mm. is that to know how much you love the Lord you got to have something to compare it with. Okay. So here, Peter was out fishing. Jesus questioned him. Simon, son of Jonah. In other words, I know who you are. Lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these? You know, some wonder what is he referring to. Mm -hmm. You know, I am on the side of that whole pile of fish that he brought in. <laughs> Do you love me more than these? Okay, so then Peter's like, Yes, Lord, I love you more than fish. That's right. <laughs> and then Jesus, instead of saying, If you're really sure you love me, he just said, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. It's like uh, those of us who do computer programming or what do they call those charts? Flow charts. Flow charts. Yeah. It's uh, 
if then if then else statement if you love me more than these do this mm-hmm. the three times he had an action connected to it do you love me more than these do you love me more than these you know the third time just as much as how he got mad when they asked him at the time where he denied him yeah you know peter doesn't like too many of uh, the same questions i think you can identify with that <laughs> yeah you asked me already yeah you know can you guys out there associate with this you asked me this already why you keep asking me mm-hmm. But Jesus had a point to make. Yeah. You know, so uh, if we love Jesus, and I believe we can take this from this, we profess our love. What are we comparing our love to? We would say, Lord, you're first in our life. I love you more than anything else. No, be specific. Mm -hmm. I believe. Look at all the things in your life that you love and... (laughs) Rank them and then compare the the, the highest to how much you love Jesus. Then look at what action should I do. Because if you have love, an action will be produced. That's very good. Amen. Amen. Active love. Mm -hmm. All right. Go ahead. I was just going to say there are a lot of people who love to dig into the Greek when they're doing Bible study. And usually... I find it overkill, but it was interesting in this case. When I looked at the different Greek words, the first time Jesus asked him, do you love me? You know, people talk about the, all the different forms of love, all the, the different Greek words, agape and filio and eros and all of that. Right. So someone once pointed out, okay, the first time Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? He said, Peter, do you agape? Do you love me with the love of God? And Peter was like, yes, Lord, I phileo you. I love you with the love that I have for my brothers and my friends. And Jesus was like, okay. And the second time, do you agape me? Peter's like, yes, I phileo you. But then the third time, Jesus said, do you phileo me? And then Peter said, yes, yes, I phileo you. And so that's a whole different dynamic that sometimes we might miss because in English, love is use love for all the different right. uh, dynamics of love. But in the Greek, they were very, it was a very specific word. So it's interesting that, like you said, God was also, he was testing the ranking of Peter's love, mm-hmm. but also uh, the, the level of Peter's love. So even though he might love him more than everything else, what is the height or depth of the level of his love for him? It was an interesting little tidbit to find. Amen, amen, wonderful. Amen, agape and phileo. Yes, of course, now you're speaking Greek. Amen, amen, and I ain't know it. (laughs) Okay, let's look at question six. How did Jesus emphasize the connection between love and service? This is kind of tied to question five in a little way. Mm -hmm. He he emphasized the connection between love and service. You love me, you will serve me. You know, a lot of times we say we are serving the Lord. You know, but if you look at the service, you kind of want to measure how much love you have for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because if you love greatly, you will serve 
greatly, I believe. Yeah, I agree with that. But if 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 our service is a measure of the love we have for the Lord, and I'm just teasing your mind out here. Come on now, come if, on if now. If the service is a test or a measure mm -hmm. of the love that you have for the Lord, consider your service that you have done. Have you done great service or? Yeah. Then maybe we should look at the at the love. And if we want to correct service, maybe we should correct love. Absolutely. What if he asks you, do you love me more than these? You know, do you agape me or <laughs> phileo me? Yeah. You know, what would your, answer, your response be? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's right. In his word, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Action. Mm -hmm. Action. It's just like your honey, those of us who have honeys, would say, you love me? I go, yes, dear, you know I love you. How much you love me? <laughs> they want to see action. It's true. You know I love you already. No, 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 no. Show me how much you love me. Yeah. Right? Love, true love brings action. Amen? Yeah, it's a validation. Amen, amen. All right, let us traverse a little bit more. Okay. Uh, we have an inspiration section here. It's very long, so I fleshed out, you know, a part that I think will help us tremendously. So on page 106 to 107, mm. our inspiration. Mm -hmm. But there is a... I want to go down to the paragraph that begins with uh, four. For one of the few times in his life. Oh, that's on page 108. Yep. Yeah. So page 108, for those of you with the, with the book, I'm reading from the, the paragraph that begins with four. For one of the few times in his life, Peter is silent. What words would suffice? The moment is too holy for words. God is offering breakfast to the friend who betrayed him. Mm -hmm. Right? We were talking about what Peter's behavior might have been once he got to shore. Maybe he didn't have a whole lot to say at that time. What can you say? He's still thinking about that fateful night that he had denied him. How many times we show up in service and uh, the guilt of a past action or mistake that we have made, you know, is just hanging over your head. You cannot get it off, out of your mind. You're saying, oh, praise the Lord, but that guilt is still mm -hmm. heavy on your heart. And Peter is once again finding grace at Calvary. You see, that's who Jesus is. If we are like Peter, who denied Christ right before his very eyes, and Jesus went out of his way, you know, to show Peter, Peter, I know what you have done. Mm -hmm. But I am here to forgive you. My love for you is more than the wrong you committed. I I am ready to forgive you. What do you say at a moment like this? What do you say at a moment 
such as this. It's just you and God. You and God both know what you did. Amen? <laughs> and neither of you is proud of it. I found that very interesting. Yeah. You know, Jesus must have felt bad for Peter. And Peter felt bad about Peter. Usually that's the beginning of repentance. Godly sorrow for the wrong you have done. But when you and God are one and one together on your knees, crying out before him, asking for forgiveness, it is just between you and God. Do you pour your heart out to him? Do you speak to him simply in the way that's plain and the truth of what you have done? Because without the confession, there's no forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the confession. If you're going to repent, you have to confess. You don't confess in your mind. The Bible teaches us that with the mouth, confession is made. You might consider doing what Peter did. Stand in God's presence. Stand in his sight. Stand still and wait. Sometimes that's all a soul can do. Too repentant to speak, but too hopeful to leave. We just stand. Mm -hmm. Amen. You're standing, counting on God's grace. Stand amazed. He has come back. He invites you to try again, this time with him. Amen. And this was quoted from uh, Max Ocado's He Still Moves Stones. So that takes us to a few more questions. So in question seven, how can failure destroy a person? Ooh. How can failure destroy a person? And then it follows up, how can Jesus restore a person after a fall? Hi. So let's talk. Oof. Okay. Uh People often forget their successes, mm -hmm. but seldom forget their failures. For some reason, it really sticks with a lot of us, sometimes in the forefront of our mind. Mm -hmm. And it causes other secondary feelings or actions to rise up. So bad failures can lead to fear of doing the wrong thing again. Mm -hmm. It can lead to paralysis or indecision uh, failure can sap people's confidence or their uh, their assurance and what they were doing was correct it, it causes a lot of different things especially if we don't process it properly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we can start to feel like we are the worst person Self-esteem issues, yeah. We start to feel like we are the only one that ever failed. Isolation, yes. Mm -hmm. And because of that failure builds up a, a fear that we would de be determined in ourselves that we would never try that again. Mm -hmm. But there's a song that says, if when you fail... When you have failed in your trying and the rewards, 
I don't know this song. <laughs> I, I can't help you. Take up your cross. I remember this part. And run quickly to meet him. He'll understand. And say, well done. Okay. Amen. Amen. So you see, failure, if we dwell on it, it will destroy you. There's no shame in failure. There is no... Um, to fail doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. What, what destroys us is when we remain in that state that failure has placed us in and refuse to try again. It's just like the Christian pathway. Yeah. You might be beaten down, you know, but you get up, dust yourself off, you know, cry out to God and continue on. We must press on. No matter what the battle is, we must press on. How can Jesus restore a person after a fall? Just to answer that, you know, just take a look at the interaction that Jesus had with Peter. Jesus was willing to forgive. And so because he's a forgiver of sins, you know, if we come to him repenting, he definitely can restore a person after a fall. You know, we are called not to sin, but the scripture teaches us. But if he sin, we do have an advocate with the Father. Amen. So let's look at question eight. These are all personal questions. What tends to hinder you from accepting and enjoying God's forgiveness? So let's let's say we have erred in our way, we have slipped, we have fallen. What tends to hinder us from accepting and enjoying God's forgiveness? We are really hard on ourselves when it comes to shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because they actually rob us of a lot of the things that we need to move forward from moments that we're not proud of. Right. So if we feel excessive shame, we might not actually go to God or accept the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus is already extending to us. Mm-hmm. Same thing with guilt. You might not believe when he says, I forgive you completely because we still believe I deserve punishment because what I did was so bad. Right. Even though we know that we did not save ourselves, we mm-hmm. cannot forgive away our sins. We know it takes the forgiving grace of God Almighty for us to be saved. But at the same time, we become our own judge and jury when we do error. It seems like within us, we have a, like everything is hanging by the slender thread and one, once it's broken, it's like we don't deserve to be called a child of God. We don't deserve his grace anymore because we have messed up. Mm-hmm. But remember how messed up we were when Jesus called us the first time. The same that is able to save us from our sins is the same one saying, if you confess your sins, he's faithful. He, Jesus, is faithful to forgive us 
of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not that we are not going to uh, fall, brothers and sisters, but it's how we behave when we are falling or taken into a fall. When we know who our source is, we go to him. We don't remain in the mire. We go crying to him. Don't be presumptuous, but be faithful. Put your trust in the words and the promises that he has made. When he, and when he has forgiven you, because that's what his word says, also learn to let it go. Don't think you got to go beat up yourself, you know, don't, don't slash anything, your wrist or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that story about pay, paying penance, you know, don't practice that. That's why he went to the cross, that we might be saved by his grace. Amen. You cannot punish yourself into his graces. He doesn't punish you to forgive your sins. He's just willing and faithful. So long as you have a repentant heart, you come crying, confessing your sins to him. The word of God promised that he will forgive you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Nine. And I, wa I want to just take nine and ten. So question nine, what hope does this story offer to you? Hope. What hope does this story offer to you? Hope for how we can be received no matter what we've done. Mm -hmm. Some of us were probably expecting Jesus to, you know, really get on Peter's case the first chance he got. Mm -hmm. How could you do that? Do this to me. I even told you in advance what would happen mm -hmm. and you still couldn't stick with me. But Jesus did not display that personality that we might have expected, especially if it was human to human, mm -hmm. like friend to friend even, might not have even gone over so nicely. So sometimes I think we misunderstand God's nature and how, how much he wants to be reconciled to us oh, and how much he really wants to forgive us and just restore our relationship from wherever it might have been broken. Amen. Profound words. Oh, please. <laughs> you see, hope is very good for us. And when we look at this example, Jesus laid it out, you know, that things may go wrong, but there's forgiveness. When we put it in the human perspective, we would say, you know, I'm going to let you back in, but I have my eye on you. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember those three times. And if he did it again, now it's the fourth time. Yes. I noticed that Jesus did not go back to Peter and go, Okay, Peter, you denied me three times, but I'm going to forgive you. Yeah, he didn't really have any strings attached. That's right. And it wasn't that... You know, I am going to forgive you, but make sure you never do it again. Mm -hmm. It's hopeful for us that we can be, be, be fallen, but he's still willing to lift us up. 
It's hard to accept at times that it's just the grace of God. You mean, I messed up so badly and all I got to do is cry out before God, tell him how, how sorry I am, how regretful I am about it. And he's faithful enough that he would say, my son, I forgive you. And the thing about God's forgiveness is as if it never happened. It would just, it washes it all away. Amen. Amen. And you know, the Bible says, you know, God is not a man. Sometimes we treat God like he would treat, like we would be treated by other humans. But one of our comments says, you know, we are harder on ourselves as mm -hmm. people when we fail and we make it hard on ourselves to get up and try again. But clearly that's not Jesus's approach to our failures. He mm -hmm. wants you to get up and try again. Yeah. He actually extends his hand to you Amen. to help you to try and get up again. Amen. And you know, as you, as you were saying that, Gavin, it brought to my mind a description of, of what, who the devil is. Hmm. There's a part, I believe, in the scripture that refers to him as an accuser of the bread. He is. And you see, he's one of those that he does not want you to forget. Mm -hmm. He does not want you to be restored. Mm -hmm. And so that guilt is going to lay it on you heavily and that guilt will destroy you. It destroyed Judas. Mm -hmm. It would destroy us too. We need our burdens lifted. We need that forgiveness for our sins. Otherwise, a healthy relationship is not possible not possible forgiveness from God and forgiveness for ourselves as well amen trust that God knows what he's doing mm -hmm. in forgiving us amen with that on that point let's go to 10 how does the story inspire you to handle your mistakes and failures oh you have mistakes and failures <laughs> I mean, as one of our commenters says, you know, no matter how far we've gone, his hands are still extended to us. Mm -hmm. And that ties in really well with your comment about the enemy being the accuser. Mm -hmm. I noticed nothing in here. Nowhere did Jesus accuse Peter. That's right. He didn't come accusing. And if we have to use this as our rule of faith, as our baseline, Jesus is not going to come accusing us mm -hmm. and things that what we what we have done. So when we ask, how does this inspire us to handle our mistakes and failures? We might feel guilt, we might feel shame, but talk it over with God anyways. Mm -hmm. Because he is eager to, to communicate and have relationship with you despite. He wants you to get up, he wants you to get over it, he wants you to improve, but mm -hmm. he's not there to accuse you or to make you feel worse. Mm -hmm. Like it said before, he already knows and you already know and neither of you are proud of it. Amen. But moving on and continuing the relationship is more important than dwelling on what was wrong. Because there's so much more right mm -hmm. that's ahead of us. There's so much more, Amen. more enjoyment and love and peace and hope beyond this point. Amen. And if we can just stop accusing ourselves mm -hmm. and let the enemy and stop letting the enemy accuse us listen that jesus is not accusing us mm -hmm. and offers his hand to help us move forward like this is to me that is a big part of the good news is that amen. jesus is not our accuser amen amen 
And uh, when we, we go back to Peter's example, just to add to what Gavin was saying there, when Peter showed up, he didn't come running to Jesus. Oh Lord, forgive me. You know, oh, you know how much I love you. He was kind of, according to the to the to the author, was kind of silent. Somebody that's always had something to say, mm-hmm. you know, did not have a whole lot to say on that on that morning. But he was the first one to the shore in the presence of Jesus. But when he got there, he did not hold back. He did not hang back. He did not turn away. He came. He did not know what to say, but he was there. Mm -hmm. Even when we don't know what to pray, show up. Yeah. Show up. Say that again. Mm -hmm. Show up. You know, show up yourself in the presence of God. You might not have the words, the, the, the guilt so heavy. You feel like, you know, nothing I say will have, will hold a lot of weight. But show up. Stand still. He will respond. Mm-hmm. He will respond. Notice who initiated the relationship repair. Not Peter, because so much guilt. But the, 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 the master himself. Peter didn't go, Lord, oh, you know how much I love you. But Jesus asked him, Simon Peter, <laughs> Simon, son of Jonah, lovest, more me, lovest thou me more than these? Mm-hmm. You see, of course. You see, Jesus pulled it out of him. Yeah, Lord, I love you. Yeah. He's not thinking I denied you. He's thinking, no, Peter, you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. The second time. Lovest thou me more than thee, Simon? Yea, Lord, you know I love you. The third time, the third time he pulled out an emotion, an emo- very emotional response from Peter. Mm-hmm. You see, when we, when we are restored, the whole emotion has got to be in there. You can't just go through <laughs> just the motion. But the, emo- <laughs> but the emotion has got to be in there. And so when he asked him the third time, Peter was getting a little bit disturbed. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, Lord, you know all things. Yes. You know how much I love you. That's when Jesus finally told him, feed my sheep. And there's something I want to point out as we are looking towards the end here. When we go to the end of the scripture, mm-hmm. When we go to the end of the scripture that we read, after Jesus has said all that dialogue with him, he said to him, follow me. And I have a provocative thought for us. It's almost like Jesus recalled Peter. Remember when when he called his disciples? He just say, follow me. Each one of them, he would call them, hey, you know, follow me. I found it interesting that he came at this stage. And after he had, you know, asked Peter how many times you love me. And Peter, yeah, Lord, I love you. And he described a few other things to Peter. At the end, he said, follow me. Mm-hmm. That's restoration. 
Amen. That's a reconfirmation that I have called you. Follow me. For every one of you who are struggling out there, you know, with your relationship with Jesus, you have found yourself messed up in some things. And you're thinking, oh man, God would never want me again. His restoration would be to you after you have confessed your sins and cried before him. You've got to be really sorry for what you have done. He can read the heart. He knows whether you're going through the motions or not. Your emotion have got to get in there. Mm. So confessing, he's faithful to forgive you. And his call to you would still be, follow me. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 So we look a little bit at life lesson. In closing, yeah. As you think back over the last few weeks, can you see ways... Can you see ways in which God has been bringing about change in your life as you have walked with Jesus? Reflect on how on the awesome Savior that you follow. Reflect on the personal life lessons you have learned. The Gospel of John closes with hope for Peter and hope for you. There's a future now and forever. God can help you with your failures. Jesus offers you the same quiet, persistent invitation he gave Peter. Follow me. Amen. Let's play. Let's close with this prayer uh, in the devotion section. Father, help us as we cope and grapple with yesterday's failures. They weigh us down. Help us to release our regrets to you, Father, and help us to forgive ourselves, even as you have forgiven us, that we might not live burdened and shackled by yesterday's failures. We want to live free by your grace. Help us to follow you, Jesus. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May we Take from this that failures is not the end when Christ is with us, when Christ is still our Redeemer and our Savior. He's still wanting us to follow Him. Mm -hmm. You know, He still wants that relationship to be repaired. We have a key, it's called prayer. Cry out before God, lay it out before Him. Spell it out right down to the T and ask him for his forgiveness. And his word promise us that he's faithful and he's just to forgive you. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for all of you who have joined us, have watched, have commented, have shared. Thank you for your patience with our internet glitch. Um, we will do our best to put the videos close together so if you go back and rewatch them, you can see part one and part two. And today's topic was very good about second chances. And even though Peter, when he was under stress, made a decision that he regretted, Jesus really demonstrated grace and love mm -hmm. and hope and compassion to Peter in his terrible situation. And so for those of you watching, 
maybe the situation of the world around us has caused you stress and maybe has made you make some decisions you might regret or caused you to do things you might not be proud of. I want you to know that he is the God of second chances. There is forgiveness for you. You can move past this. And God is actually eager to help you get over this and find freedom from whatever might be holding you down. So I want you to take that, take this message away today. If you feel like you're, you're dealing with failures or you have things that are causing you anxiety, mm-hmm. just whisper a word of prayer to God. Lord, forgive me. I'm not proud of this, uh, but I want you to help me. And his hand is already there outstretched. This is our God. Amen. He is forgiving. He is merciful. And he is for us. He wants us to move forward. And he wants to give us a hope and a future. Thank you so much for tuning in with us in Edmonton Impact Gospel. We're praying for you. We're with you. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If you want to listen to this later and view our other content, you can go to our website at eigministries.com. Thank you and have a good night. Have a good night.